The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. In 1859, a human rights activist named Henry Denant, who would later co-found the Red Cross, observed the aftermath of the Battle of Solferino between French Piedmontese and Austrian armies in northern Italy. He was shocked by the treatment of wounded soldiers on the battlefield. He worked diligently to bring together a variety of governments to sign on to a series of rules governing the treatment of captured and wounded soldiers signed in Geneva in 1864. These would become known as the first Geneva Conventions. It took another 85 years, however, before the world began to think about the treatment of civilians in wartime. In horror at the German treatment of civilians during World War II, the Geneva Conventions were expanded in 1949 to protect non-combatant civilians. This was accomplished in the Fourth Geneva Convention designed to protect civilians by encouraging military actors to separate themselves from civilian populations. The 1977 edition protocols made clear the use of human shields was absolutely forbidden by the rules of war. Article 12.4 states, quote, under no circumstances shall medical units be used in an attempt to shield military objectives from attack. Article 51.7 states, quote, the presence or movements of the civilian population or individual civilians shall not be used to render certain points or areas immune from military operations, in particular in attempts to shield military objectives from attacks or to shield, favor, or impede military operations. Article 8.2b of the 1998 ICC statute says, quote, utilizing the presence of a civilian or other protected person to render certain points, areas, or military forces immune from military operations constitutes a war crime in international armed conflicts. The purpose of outlawing human shields is perfectly obvious. No country can be expected to forego its military aims in order to protect civilians deliberately placed in danger by the enemy. To immunize those who use human shields would incentivize everyone to take human shields which would then necessitate the death of more civilians in order to achieve military goals. And yet the legacy media and the political left have been doing just that. They know that Hamas has been using human shields. Hamas brags about it. Over the weekend, Israeli Defense Forces discovered rocket launchers planted directly next to children's pools and playgrounds. You can see this is a children's pool. You can see rocket launchers located directly next to it. There's a group of four rocket launchers that are directly located five meters from a children's swimming pool. There's a reason that they are doing this. They also found rocket launchers located directly next to a giant playground. Currently, Hamas is preventing the evacuation of Gazan civilians to the south of the Gaza Strip. Here's a resident of Gaza admitting as much on tape. He says, good, you know, who sent us back? We can't reach the south. That's the first thing. Secondly, there are cars without diesel that do not allow you to go south. So we are between transitions, between going out and staying here. What can we do? First of all, who sent you back to the north, says an IDF officer. And the Gazan resident says, you know who sent me back. I can't say, you know who sent us back. Why can't he say, he'll be killed if he does. The IDF officer says, but a lot of people left for the south and never came back. The Gazan resident says they have cars that go around the, to block the way. We don't have a car. The IDF officer says, have you seen or heard of this? Did you see or hear it? The Gazan says it's talked about in schools, talked about in schools. We are refugees in the schools. Hamas is blocking people from leaving for the south. Now, over the weekend, Israeli forces struck an ambulance. Hamas immediately claimed that Israel had been targeting the wounded. The media then began to parrot this lie. Here's some of the video. Right, you can see these are awful pictures, obviously. Well, as it turns out, the ambulance says Israel is being used to transport terrorists which, of course, is well in line with Hamas practice. In fact, here is tape from 2014 of Hamas literally loading up an ambulance with terrorists. 
Here it is. You can see it. Is aerial footage. These are terrorists who are leaving a house. They are armed. And they're getting on an ambulance. It's been long time practice in both Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, and in the Gaza Strip. They use ambulances in order to transport specifically because they know that if then Israel hits the ambulance, the world will pretend that Israel is attempting to hit wounded. Meanwhile, over at the Al-Shifa hospital, the home base for Hamas's military headquarters, below which is likely stored hundreds of thousands of gallons of fuel for use by terrorists, the electricity is still on, despite claims that the fuel has run out. Not only that, large crowds of Gazans have congregated around the hospital to cheer on footage of Hamas members firing on Israelis. For those who can't see this, you're seeing thousands of people watching a screen that's been put in place. The electricity is still on, as you can see. This is footage of Hamas members firing on Israeli troops. Giant crowd watching outside. Screaming Allahu Akbar. You may notice the ages here is a lot of young military age men who are standing outside right here predominantly. And they are watching with full electricity available the tape of Hamas fighting Israel. And this is not shocking. Hamas not only keeps military headquarters underground, underneath hospitals, it literally built one hospital, the Indonesian hospital, above terror infrastructure it had already built. To cap it all off, Hamas spent the weekend attacking Israeli troops as those Israeli troops were attempting to open a civilian corridor from north to south. So the IDF was working to open the roads so civilians could leave. Hamas began firing mortars and anti-tank missiles at them. The story here is actually very, very simple. Israel wishes, for reasons both moral and political, to minimize civilian casualties among Gazan Palestinian Arabs. Hamas wants more dead Palestinian Arabs. The difference is why the IDF has made 20,000 phone calls, dropped 1.5 million leaflets, sent 4.4 million SMS and 6 million voice messages, urging civilians in northern Gaza to evacuate temporarily for their safety. Here you can see tape of them dropping mass masses of leaflets and pamphlets telling people to leave the area. Look at this, they're dropping this. You can see like huge pallets of papers that are that are being airdropped onto civilian areas, telling people to leave. You can see them floating down to the civilians below, telling them to get out. Never in the history of war has something been done like this in terms of warning civilians in this fashion. Never. Has, a, has one army opposing a military force sent as many warnings to civilians to get out. You literally cannot name another time this has happened. Now, Hamas claims that some 6,500 female and child civilians have been killed thus far. We haven't verified any of those numbers because Hamas routinely lies about this sort of stuff. Hamas's advocates point to those numbers to suggest that Israel is killing a disproportionate number of civilians, despite the fact that it's Hamas that wants them to kill the civilians. In reality, despite the insane situation in which Israel finds itself, Israel is being as meticulous in its use of military force as any military in human history. Let's take a few examples. Let's look down the road of history. At least 2 million German civilians died during World War II. At least 350,000 were killed by strategic Allied bombing. Up to 800,000 Japanese civilians died during World War II. In the Korean War, estimates placed civilian casualty numbers at 1.2 million. During the Vietnam War, some 365,000 civilians died. During the Gulf War, somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 civilians died at the hands of Allied forces. During NATO bombing of Yugoslavia, at least 1,200 civilians were killed. You may remember that America was not attacked before either of those last two engagements. During the Afghanistan war, at least 46,000 civilians died. During the Iraq war, those numbers were at least 200,000. Barack Obama's drone war killed at least 400 civilians. His Libya war killed at least 600. The war on ISIS may have killed several thousand civilians. Those are just wars involving the United States. 
when it comes to military action in the Middle East more generally, the numbers are astounding. The Saudis have killed at least 20,000 civilians in their bombing campaign in Yemen. At least 85,000 children have died of starvation during that conflict. In Syria, at least 300,000 civilians have died. At least 12 million people have been displaced. Pakistan right now is, like this moment, deporting some 1.7 million Afghan civilians. Nobody cares about any of that. There's not been a single protest about any of that. No one cares. However, hundreds of thousands, millions, nay, billions of protesters seem to care about the Jews, even though the Jews are overtly attempting to avoid civilian casualties while Hamas seeks as many dead Palestinian Arabs as possible. And yet the media continue to pretend that Hamas isn't to blame for civilians being killed, that Israel somehow has the magical undisclosed ability to kill terrorists without killing the civilians that terrorists use as their shields. They have the Harry Potter-like ability to cast spells that just kill the bad guys. Here's Bernie Sanders idiotically expressing just that idea. How should his Israel uh, destroy Hamas post-attack on these innocent civilians in Israel without uh, hurting, killing innocent men, women, and children when Hamas is hiding behind them and putting them in danger? How does that work? Well, that is, that is exactly the right question to be asked the military experts, of which I am not one. But clearly, yeah, they have Israel as a right to defend itself. Hamas has sworn that's what its goal is, is to destroy Israel. They got to deal with that. But there got to be a better way than killing thousands of men, women, and children. So once again, the immediate concern is you got to have a pause in the bombing. That's amazing stuff from Bernie Sanders there, openly saying that he has no idea what Israel is supposed to do, that he's not a military man, but he knows there has to be. A, this is very reminiscent of when Joe Biden and company talk about police taking on bad guys. And they say, why don't you just shoot him in the leg? If you don't know what the hell you're talking about, this sounds good. But if you do, you sound this sounds like a moron because Bernie Sanders is, in fact, a moron because he has always been a moron. This lie that Israel is somehow being indiscriminate in its use of military force, that they have secretly a better way of just killing terrorists but not killing anyone else? Well, the thing is that that theory justifies everything up to and including the genocidal October 7th attacks. That is the point, to create a retroactive justification for those attacks in the public mind. If the Jews are the kinds of people who drop bombs on Gazan babies just for fun, then what's the big deal that Hamas shot babies directly in the face and raped their mothers before murdering them? That is the case being made by the congresswoman from Hamas, Rashida Tlaib, who spent the weekend defending Hamas's genocidal slogans. She tweeted out, quote, From the river to the sea is an aspirational call for freedom, human rights, and peaceful coexistence, not death, destruction, or hate. This, of course, is a lie. From the river to the sea, meaning the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, Palestine must be free, is a slogan about freedom in the same way that the Nazi slogan, Arbeit macht frei, was about encouragement to work ethic. Work makes free. What they actually meant, that was, the, that was the sign over Auschwitz. The only side currently advocating genocide is the Palestinian side. Of course, it doesn't take much to get Palestinian advocates to admit as much. Here, for example, was the Palestinian ambassador to the UK explaining this weekend he would not condemn Hamas's atrocities at all. Palestinian Authority hasn't condemned Hamas adequately and those October 7th attacks. So do you want to clear the air and clearly condemn the attack in Hamas today? 
No, I want to clear the record. First of all, the Palestinian Authority is not what represents the Palestinian people. It's the PLO. It's the Palestine Liberation Organization. I represented the PLO in Washington. Now I represent the PLO in, in, in London. The PA does not have external arms. The sole legitimate representative of the Palestinian people is the PLO. Number two, uh, let me clarify another matter. It's the state of Palestine that will take over and protect its people in the West Bank, in Jerusalem, and in Gaza once the Palestinian occupied territory is liberated. These bring, are this, decades this will worth bring, of problems. I mean, I'm just asking about this one specific no, issue no, no, on October decades, 7th and the tax no, revenue. No, no, not decades. No, uh, it's the result of us not really focusing on the root cause. This is the moment of the U.S. Well, to play the role I understand there are deep root causes, but on globe, that specific condemnation, it would just be a very no. quick answer. Uh, 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 and uh, allow me, Margaret, because I watched your interview with the Israeli ambassador, and he said two things, very important. He said, uh, uh, you know, those are unintended consequences, the 10,000 mm -hmm. innocent people, the almost 5,000 uh, children. I, I want to also clear the record here. This is deliberate, and this has been the Israeli military doctrine since its establishment. Okay, so he's a liar and an evil human being. He's literally saying that he will not condemn Hamas's massacre of innocents and then justifying that by claiming that Israel is targeting civilians, which is a lie. Again, the only way to justify Hamas's evil is to accuse Israel of similar evil, which is precisely what Rashida Tlaib is doing. She put out an ad targeting Joe Biden, suggesting that he is supporting a genocide. We stand with Israel. This is Rashida Tlaib's ad, of course, suggesting that Israel is targeting civilians. And then she shows a bunch of protests. No peace on stolen land, which means, by the way, the destruction of Israel. This is Rashida Tlaib's ad. Mr. President, the American people are not with you on this one. So first of all, it's a lie. Again, this ad is supposed to demonstrate that Joe Biden is backing a quote-unquote genocide. I wish that that wasn't going to happen, uh, but it is, it is going to happen. I want to thank President Biden for his unequivocal support. And this ad continues for a while. And then finally, she just concludes by accusing Joe Biden of... She, she literally is putting in her own ad people chanting for the destruction of the state of Israel and then claiming that Israel is pursuing a genocide accompanied by Joe Biden. Here's the thing. The goal for those who support Hamas is not in the end to truly convince everyone that Israel is morally inferior to its opponents because that's not possible. You can't convince anyone that anyone is morally inferior to Hamas. It's to convince everyone that Hamas and Israel are morally equivalent, that Israel is on Hamas's level so as to justify Hamas's atrocities. In that game, Hamas's most ardent advocates are joined by politically savvy but morally despicable figures like Barack Obama. Barack Obama spent the weekend pretending that responsibility for Hamas's evil lies with, well, you know, well, it, with everyone. Here he is with his fellow dolts over at Pod Save America. You have to take in the whole truth. And you then have to admit nobody's hands are clean. That all of us are complicit to some degree. I look at this and I think back, what could I have done during my presidency to move this forward as hard as I tried? I've got the scars to prove it. But there's a part of me that's still saying, well, was there something else I could have done? 
that's the conversation we should be having. Not just looking backwards, but looking forward. Now, of course, Obama himself is guilty. His hands are not clean. He handed billions of dollars to the Iranian terror regime. He allowed them to spread their cash and their terror all over the Middle East from Yemen to Lebanon while simultaneously giving Israel the back of his hand. In June 2014, when Hamas kidnapped and murdered three Israeli teenagers, including one American dual citizen, Barack Obama said nothing for three weeks and then finally called on Israel for restraint. He also delayed a shipment of Hellfire missiles to Israel in the middle of Israel's 2014 war with Hamas. Then, on his way out of office, Obama abstained from voting on a UN Security Council resolution rather than vetoing it. That resolution demanded that Israel stop building in all of Judea, Samaria, and East Jerusalem and created an incentive structure for the boycott and divest movement from the state of Israel. As an Israeli official said at the time, quote, the U.S. administration secretly cooked up with the Palestinians an extreme anti-Israeli resolution behind Israel's back, which would be a tailwind for terror and boycotts and effectively make the Western Wall occupied Palestinian territory. Obama's hatred for Israel was, in fact, a significant factor in building up both Iran and Hamas, leading to the catastrophe of October 7th. So yes, Barack Obama does personally bear a share of responsibility. But that's not what he means. He means that everyone is responsible for October 7th, which means that Hamas is not responsible. It's a cycle of violence, a morally relativistic cycle of violence requiring Israeli concessions. This is the pseudo-sophisticate take. It's the radical chic take. It's repeated by nearly all of those in the legacy media, including, for example, Nicholas Kristof. We'll get to him and his idiocy in just one moment. First, we are facing the threat of another looming government shutdown later this month. The administration will ultimately deal with it the same way they always do. They will blow out the spending. More spending will inevitably devalue the dollar. Protect your savings by diversifying into gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. Here's the best part. When you open an IRA with Birch Gold, for every 10 grand you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Just text Ben to 989898. Claim eligibility before Black Friday. Birch Gold can even help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without taking any money out of pocket. And you still get the free gold bars. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers, you can count on Birch Gold to help you transition an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. Don't let your savings fall victim to the further devaluation of the dollar. Text Ben to 989898. Receive a free info kit on gold. Reclaim your eligibility before Black Friday and receive free gold bars on your qualifying purchase. Text Ben to 989898 today. Again, text Ben to 989898 and get started with my friends over at Birch Gold. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, a child's life is molded by his or her home, school, friends, community. A positive experience in all these areas helps build a healthy child. Cars for Kids, that's Cars with a K, is a registered nonprofit organization aimed at giving children the tools to succeed in life. If you have a car that's just sitting in your driveway, taking up space, you should consider donating it to Cars for Kids. You know Cars for Kids, they've got that jingle, right? The 1877-Cars-for-Kids-K-A-R-S. You know it. If you're tired of looking at that old car in your driveway or hearing your spouse complain about it, why not let Cars for Kids take care of it for you? Here's how it works. Visit their website at carsforkids.org. Let them take care of it from there. The whole process only takes two minutes. Cars for Kids will schedule a pickup at a time that's convenient for you. If you don't have a car, you can still help. Cars for Kids accepts non-cash donations of school supplies, clothing, sports equipment, and more. So what exactly are you waiting for? Call now or visit carsforkids.org slash Ben to get the ball rolling today. That's Cars with a K, the number four at carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values. And that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. 
Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I tell you that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. So again, the pseudo-sophisticate take in the foreign policy establishment is moral equivalence. Moral equivalence. So Nicholas Kristof has a piece over at the New York Times, a truly awful piece in which he admits the quiet part out loud and then just ignores it. So the piece is titled Losing Hope in the West Bank. He says, when I was a law student backpacking through the Middle East in 1982, I met two Palestinian university students on a local bus in the West Bank. We got to chatting. They invited me to their homes. So I jumped off the bus and spent a day with them in the jumbled alleys of the densely populated Dishé refugee camp. We had a good time together. They told me about their Arabic studies at Bethlehem University. I was hatching a scheme to study Arabic myself in Cairo. We were all excited by education and full of youth and dreams. I wrote their names in my address book. We never made contact again until now. After 41 years, I dug up my old address book and found their names. I wondered, are they still alive? Have they moved abroad? What do they think of Israel, Hamas, and America? So they located them. They were still living in the same refugee camp. He said, it was wonderful to see them again, but our reunion was also a window into Palestinian frustrations. The world has changed so much in four decades. But while I've traveled the world and had a fulfilling career, they remain stateless, stuck in a refugee camp, fearful of Israeli settlers and soldiers. Worse, they have much less freedom today than when I met them in 1982. So none of this leads him to think for just one second, wait, wait what changed in 1982 and 2023? One thing that changed is the handing over of these areas of the West Bank to the Palestinian Authority, the same Palestinian Authority Nicholas Kristof wishes had more authority. In 1982, the Palestinian Authority had zero authority in the so-called West Bank. Israel had military rule over the entirety. And in fact, as you can see from the statistics, if you happen to live in the Palestinian areas of the West Bank under the governance of the Palestinian Authority, you are significantly poorer than if you're an Israeli Arab living in Israel proper which is why literally no Israeli Arab wishes to leave and move into Palestinian-governed areas. But Nicholas Kristof ignores all of that because it undercuts his argument. He says back then, they could travel easily around Israel and find work there. On a weekend, they could relax on Israeli beaches. I used to drive to Tel Aviv for the day, Mahmoud told me. Now they live under a stifling system of checkpoints and passes that make travel difficult even within the West Bank. And the October 7th Hamas terrorist attack has made everything worse. Why do you think that happened? Why do you think that happened? Because of terrorism, because of the Palestinian Authority, because of Hamas, because of Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Nicholas Kristof admits that these two men, these supposed moderates, his friends, engage in all of the worst blood libels about Jews. Quote, when the conversation did touch on politics, we frustrated each other. They were certain that the explosion at Gaza's Al-Akhli Arab hospital was a deliberate attack by Israel. But we know that's not true. We literally know it. It was a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket that fell on the hospital. The conversation, says Christoph, became more tense when we got to the Hamas attack of October 7th. Quote, people were happy all over the Arab world, not because of the killings and bloodshed, but because it was the first time the Gazans could achieve their dream of leaving Gaza, said one of them. Christoph said, I pushed back and noted how brutal the Hamas terrorism had been and how many Israeli civilians had been kidnapped or killed. Saleh and Mahmoud said they mourned the Israeli deaths, but wondered why the world wasn't equally outraged that Palestinians had been killed in cumulatively greater numbers. They were disappointed by my focus on Hamas's barbarism. We are not troublemakers, they said. We just want to live freely like everyone else in the world. Um, well, clearly not, since what you actually want is to destroy the state of Israel and you side with Hamas. So there's that. But Nicholas Kristof ignores all of that in favor of moral equivalence. All of this moral equivalence leads to violence. Hamas knows all it has to do is get enough Palestinian Arabs killed 
in order to survive and preserve itself. The Palestinian Authority, by the way, knows the same thing. Terrorists know they have allies in the media and in political circles to do their dirty work for them. That's why they're so brazen on the streets of our major cities. They say the quiet part out loud all the damn time. They know pseudo-sophisticates will parrot them, will downplay their sins, will treat them as brave emissaries of a revolutionary caste. They are free to pursue whatever evil they want because of their allies in the media, because of their allies in politics. And so they do pursue those evils and more people die. In just a second, we'll get to the streets of the West, which are now dominated. They were dominated over the weekend by hundreds of thousands of people who are actively rooting for Hamas, an actual honest-to-God genocidal Jew-hitting terrorist group. It's an amazing thing. It's a, mo a moment of what should be moral clarity, except that the West seems to have lost extraordinary amounts of moral clarity. We'll get to that momentarily first. It's hard to sleep these days, but whatever sleep I am getting is because of my Helix Sleep mattress. I've had my Helix Sleep mattress for, I don't know, almost a decade at this point. It's fantastic. It was personalized just for me, so it is firm but breathable, which is what I need because if the mattress is too soft, I get back pain. If it's not breathable, I heat up at night. Well, Helix now has a new high-end collection called the Helix Elite. Helix Elite harnesses years of extensive mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Check out the new collection today. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. As I say, go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take that two-minute sleep quiz. Find the perfect mattress for yourself. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it for 100 nights risk-free, so you have nothing to lose. Helix is offering. 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners today. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. Go to helixsleep.com slash Ben and get 20% off with Helix. Better sleep starts right now. Okay, so enormous protests across the West over the weekend. And honestly, the West should be afraid because the West has been completely taken over, completely and utterly taken over by enormous swaths of people who hate the West. At least it's been honeycombed. The most obvious example comes in London. Hundreds, 100,000 people maybe, showed up in London in relation to a pro-Hamas rally. About 11 people were arrested, but the footage shows fireworks being launched at the police. It shows British flags being yanked down. It shows, it shows every monument in London basically being taken over. And by the way, how do we know that an infiltration has taken place? Because apparently a police advisor one of the police advisors to the Metropolitan Police, a person named Atik Malik, who chairs the official advisory board for Scotland Yard, was leading the chance of From the River to the Seat. Again, this is, this is a person who literally works with the Met Police. He's an advisor to the cops. And here he is chanting the genocidal slogan, From the River to the Sea. Free, free! Free, free! So what's going on out there, people? What is actually happening? You go on BBC, ITV, do we see any of this? Do we see any of this? No, we don't. You know, you watch Sky News, do we see this? No. Even on social media, what we're seeing is when posts are going up on Insta, LinkedIn, Facebook, they're getting deleted. Why is that? What's going on? What's going on is global censorship by the Zionists. From the river to the sea! That guy's an advisor to the cops at the Met Police, chanting that genocidal slogan. Here they were taking over Trafalgar Square. You can see them raising the Palestinian flag on the, on the tube underground signs. You can see them climbing on the fountains in Trafalgar Square. 
Again, look at the size of this crowd. These are all Hamas fans because those are the people they are protesting in favor of. Remember, these protests began before Israel was even doing anything in the Gaza Strip. They are done in response deliberately to Hamas. People are climbing the fountains in Trafalgar Square. Where are the cops? Where are the police? Do they have any control of their streets over there? And this is all part and parcel of a radical series of protests that began across the world in 2020. The quote-unquote intersectional coalition, the decolonized coalition that was designed to tear apart the West. And Western liberals are too blind to see that that coalition rides together. By the way, this coalition has been riding together since the 60s. Pretending that this is something new is ridiculous. The Black Panthers were standing up for Palestinian terror back in the 60s. There's nothing new under the sun. Meanwhile, fireworks were being fired at the cops in Trafalgar Square as well. It's just um, them shooting fireworks into the air. Some of them were shot at the cops. Protesters shut down Whitehall in Great Britain as well. Some walking down some of the most storied streets of London, taking over the streets. There's a lot of people who love terrorists. That is for sure. On the tube, chants broke out of uh, from the river to the sea. Apparently, people being harassed inside the subways as well. There is only one solution, Intifada Revolution. Intifada, by the way, is a violent uprising. So this is people calling for violence in the center of London. This is what they're... And unless you believe that these people are, they don't like Hamas. No, they, they really, really like Hamas. One counter protester showed up with a sign that said Hamas is terrorist. That sign was promptly ripped down. He was promptly assaulted by the crowd because, of course, they like Hamas. They are fully in favor of Hamas. Again, it would be very easy to make the case that Hamas is really bad and to free the Palestinians would require that Hamas surrender. But no one's doing that, I've noticed. Zero people. No one is claiming Hamas should go away. They're all in love with Hamas. They are fine with Hamas. Pretending otherwise is ignoring the evidence of your own eyes and ears. This guy's sign ended up on the ground, ended up being torn apart by the crowd. And just in case you don't believe me, protesters were bragging about Hamas. Here are, here are some of the protesters in London. Hamas are, their class is a, a prescribed terrorist organization. Do you think the UK has made the wrong decision? Of course. It's not Hamas the terrorist. It's America the terrorist. No, and the Israel is terrorist, mm. not Hamas. I America's Hamas terrorist. Freedom fighters. They are freedom fighters. They are not terrorists as the media portrays them to be. Oh, they're, they're free. They're not, the media is portraying them. I mean, sure, they wore GoPro cameras to literally shoot children in the face. The 45-minute video that's been seen by virtually no one so far, the, the actual snuff video that was made by the Hamas terrorists is so egregious and unwatchable that almost no one can watch it. And it does contain video of Hamas terrorists confronting small children wearing Disney pajamas and then shooting them directly in the head. Okay, those people, according to these people, are not terrorists. They're just misunderstood. What did this end with? Well, this ended with the next morning. There, there's a monument called the Cenotaph in the center of London. It's supposed to be a war memorial for the war dead in Britain, World Wars One, and then eventually World War Two. It was decorated with a, a bunch of it was decorated with a bunch of wreaths. And uh, the protesters made sure to take those wreaths and throw them on the ground because this is what they actually think of the West. It's not just about Israel. It's about you. It's anyone who believes in Western values is their enemy. That's why you heard that protester a second ago saying America is terrorist. Presumably UK is terrorist. The wreaths have been knocked off. And they knocked wreaths down. By the way, British police officers during this protest were removing British flags from the streets. There were counter-protesters who showed up wearing military uniforms, veterans, presumably. They showed up with British flags, and the police told them, you need to take away your British flag so as not to offend the barbarians who are supporting Hamas. 
Yeah, say the Urim. No, so you, you can hold it, you can hold it, you can wave it. It's just we don't just not cause any sort of issues in the barriers. Have, have your flags just not on the barriers, that's it. That's and yet when they march down with hundreds of Palestinian flags, you won't say a word. There it is. There is the key. There's way more of them than there are of us. That's the end of it. The end of it is there are way more of them than there are of us. Well, if that's the case in the West, we are screwed beyond all belief. Meanwhile, it wasn't just in London. It was also in Berlin. Thousands of pro-Palestinian protesters took to the streets of Berlin, standing in favor of Hamas. So, you know, the, the Germans have been pretty good in terms of being in favor of, of Israel in this conflict, as well they should be, considering their past with, with the Jews. But they decided that there weren't enough domestic homegrown Nazis, so they imported some. So here they were marching in Berlin yesterday. I don't want Sharia in Germany. That is nonsense. You want authentic Islam? Everyone who calls himself a Muslim must want Sharia on the whole world. I want the Sharia in Germany. Definitely. He's in Germany. Would you nullify the German constitution? Definitely. Definitely. How? Which one? How could you turn Germany into an Islamic state? How, for example? According to the writings, if you're in the majority, if you're in the majority, just as you explained, this young Muslim guy, we are ordered to occupy Germany. Definitely. So if you're Muslim, it's an Islamic obligation to occupy Germany. Definitely. Definitely. You're against those liberals that say, no, that's not true, and we should live together in peace? Nobody forces them to be Muslim. He says, it's a dispute. Us or you. Either you take us over, we'll take you over. Yes, definitely. That's why this liberal Muslim, liberal Islam, doesn't exist. Is there a difference between political Islam and other Islam? Am I now in political Islam when I say I want the Sharia? He says, I mean, Islam is in all areas of life. Would you say Islam has nothing to do with politics? He says, definitely not. So openly calling, openly calling for the overthrow of Germany itself. This, of course, is manifesting in anti-Semitic acts all over the world. A French Jewish woman was stabbed and seriously wounded in Lyon, France. A swastika was then daubed on her door. She was 30. She has serious abdominal wounds. A masked man dressed in dark clothing rang the woman's doorbell several times. And when she answered, he stabbed her in the abdomen and then daubed a swastika on her door. So things are going amazing. And don't worry, it's in the United States as well. We'll get to that momentarily first. As a Daily Wire listener, you're not just informed, you're engaged. You value freedom, you value personal responsibility. That's why you should check out MediShare. MediShare is a community-based approach to healthcare that lines up with the principles you believe in. Your values matter. And with MediShare, your healthcare dollars won't be used for medical procedures that don't line up with your beliefs. MediShare is the highest rated healthcare sharing ministry with a 30-year proven track record. It's not health insurance, it's a community of 400,000 believers committed to caring and sharing with one another. Members save up to 50% or more on their monthly healthcare costs, and member satisfaction surveys show they like MediShare much more than health insurance. Why? Well, because it works. For a limited time, Daily Wire listeners receive a $150 gift card when they join MediShare. To find out more, go to MediShare.com slash Ben. That's MediShare.com slash Ben. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, listen, you know that the healthcare system in the United States has deep and abiding flaws. One great way to account for those flaws to make your life better in terms of medical care provided to you is to join MediShare. They're doing a great job with their community-based approach to healthcare that actually supports your principles. Again, go to MediShare.com slash Ben to get started. Also, 
As you know, The Daily Wire recently launched Ben Key. That's our brand new kids entertainment platform. The content is awesome. My own kids love it. They're nine, seven, and three. They enjoy it every single day. Ben Key is dedicated to creating the next generation of timeless stories that transport kids into a world of adventure, imagination, and joy. It's super easy to get. If you're already a Daily Wire Plus member, you already have Ben Key. You can download the app and you can start streaming. It's a $99 value. You get completely free. If not, you should become a member right now. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe right now. Start streaming the next generation of kids entertainment. Meanwhile, tens of thousands of protesters showed up in Washington, D.C. to say the same things as the protesters in London and Berlin, which is to say there are literally tens of thousands of people in the United States who support Hamas. According to CNN, as Israel continues its fourth week of intense bombardment of the besieged Gaza Strip, huge crowds of protesters have gathered to call for a ceasefire in Washington, D.C., as, as well as in other capital cities around the globe. And they are doing exactly the same things that you are seeing from protesters all over the world. So first of all, you should see the size of the crowd. It's enormous, obviously. Huge, huge crowd. And not only that, they were doing all the same things that you would expect from a huge pro-Hamas crowd. So, for example, they were defacing American monuments, going up to American monuments, spray painting them, decorating them with Palestinian flags. This would be a statue of... Um, General Pershing, who was general of the Allied forces during World War I. This would be a, uh, a guy dressed like a terrorist who's attempting to uh, stand up on a statue of the, a revolutionary founder. Here's um, terrorists who have, uh, people dressing like terrorists who have put Palestinian flags in the hands of war monuments and on revolutionaries. They are, they are graffitiing Biden, Gaza, free Gaza, people covering their faces. They've decorated Ben Franklin with the Palestinian flag, which uh, would be kind of astonishing, I think, to the founders. Here they are with putting a kafia, the terrorist symbol, on Ben Franklin. Hard to think of anyone who would be less in favor of the kafia than, uh, than Ben Franklin, but it doesn't matter. Where are the cops, by the way? Where are the police? This person, of course, has uh, covered his face. These are the people walking your streets, folks. These are the people in America. Many of them imported. Many of them left-wing allies. This is the coalition, the coalition of people who hate Western civilization and wish to see it torn down. And they're just using the latest convenient excuse, which is Israel. Pro-Hamas protesters were chanting, we don't want to state, we want 48, which is to say 48 was the establishment of the state of Israel. They want that reversed. Again, they just say all the quiet parts out loud and then wait for pseudo-sophisticates like Nick Kristoff or Thomas Friedman or Barack Obama to pretend moral equivalents. I mean, after all, can we really take sides? One side says they wish to destroy all the Jews and destroy the state of Israel. The other side says we would like to have peace, but we don't have a peace partner. Can't we find a middle ground? Can't we find a middle ground between this guy who wants to murder this guy and this guy who doesn't want to be murdered? There ha what can this guy give over here? here are the, here's these, these moral, morally destitute people chanting about the destruction of the state of Israel. Just openly chanting this sort of stuff, right? They, they, again, openly chanting for what they want. But obviously, Israel, the, the problem is it's so complex. It's just so complex. Meanwhile, pro-Hamas protesters decided to scale the White House fence, which uh, looks kind of insurrectionary, I noticed. There are only 11 arrests, apparently. Climbing the White House fence. And um, not only that, they had uh, Biden staffers who, who joined the protest, of course, because the Democratic Party has been thoroughly seated with people with no moral calculus whatsoever. Ceasefire now! Ceasefire now! Says Biden, your staff demands a ceasefire. These are all federal staffers. 
And these are congressional staffers, all of whom are standing with Hamas. So yeah, should you be concerned about the West falling? Absolutely, since all of the people who would like to see it fall are, are backing all this. The good news is they have many very intelligent people on their side speaking to the crowd, including Macklemore. Now, that's the thrift shop guy. He hasn't done anything since. First and foremost, this is absolutely beautiful to observe today. I didn't expect to be on a microphone, but there are thousands of people here that are more qualified to speak on the issue of a free Palestine than myself. But I will say this. They told me to be quiet. They told me to do my research, to go back, that it's too complex to say something, right? To be silent in this moment. In the last three weeks, I've gone back and I've done some research and I'm teachable. I don't know enough, but I know enough that this is a genocide. Oh, he knows enough that it's a genocide. I mean, despite the fact that it's clearly not a genocide, he knows enough to know it's a genocide. Also, I have to say that it seems like we've now reached a point where if all if it if it if it walks like an anti-Semite and it talks like an anti-Semite, it is probably an anti-Semite. Flashback to 2014. This is what Macklemore dressed up as in order to supposedly avoid the crowd. He dressed up as like a Der Sturmer looking Jew. Long hook nose, beard. He did this for a concert. He was ripped on it. They said, no, it was a mistake. It was just it was it was an accident. I, I, I have doubts now. I have some retroactive doubts. Meanwhile, the question is really, in practical terms, how much pressure can be brought on the Biden administration to push for some sort of a ceasefire? By the way, Iran is now pushing for a ceasefire, which demonstrates exactly who wants a ceasefire. The answer is Hamas. Here is Deputy National Security Advisor John Feiner saying, listen, we disagree with the pressure campaign against Biden. Well, they're going to have to, you know, have a spine here. The president has been under growing pressure from Democrats here at home to do more to end the fighting. We've seen protests as well. Probably the harshest is Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. I'm going to show what she put up on Friday. She said Joe Biden supported the genocide of the Palestinian people. The American people won't forget Biden support a ceasefire now or don't count on us in 2024. Your response? Uh, look, we, we strongly disagree uh, with, with some of that messaging and with some of the terms used to describe this conflict. But what I will say uh, is we know that this is a conflict about which there are strong views uh, on all sides, including in the United States, including, uh, frankly, even uh, within the United States, uh, uh, the Biden administration about uh, uh, the conduct of this conflict. Well, you know what maybe you should have done? Maybe you should have kicked out the anti-Semites from your coalition, but you decided instead to humor them and put them on the cover of magazines. And now you're stuck with them. And that's a real problem because let's be real about this. On a realistic level, this conflict is not going to end tomorrow. It's going to take Israel time. All the people who are urging Israel to rush here, understand the more Israel rushes, the more civilians die. The more meticulously planned Israel can do this. The slower they go, the fewer civilians die. The faster they go, the more civilians die, just like in any war. Here, in fact, is a member of the IDF, the IDF spokesperson, Major Daron Spielman, saying this is going to take time. IDF soldiers are said to be closing in on Gaza City right now. How soon, Major... Do you expect the IDF will conclude its operation against Hamas in Gaza? I think, Wolf, that it's going to take uh, a, a great deal of time. And the reason I'm saying that is, you know, as we're going to be, we've already provided information. Tomorrow, by the way, we're going to be providing more information uh, to you and to your viewers. You walk in, you know, you're chasing a terrorist squad who just shot at our soldiers and that were involved in the October 7th attack. 
You chase them into a building with civilians. We don't want to shoot because there are civilians there. You open their door in hot pursuit, and you see two shafts in the ground with no one there. You look down the shafts, and they go down 40, 50 feet underneath the ground into a web. That is how Hamas is operating. In order for us to succeed in eliminating them and trying to provide as least casualties, of course, on our side and to Gazan civilians, this is an incredibly difficult operation. So is Israel saying over and over, we're trying to reduce civilian casualties and the media being like, but we don't, but we're angry at you that you're doing that. And so we don't believe you. Meanwhile, the Biden administration continues to simultaneously push the line that Israel has to defend itself and also to push the line that Israel has to do more in order to avoid civilian casualties. Like how? And all recommendations welcome. All recommendations welcome. Here's Tony Blinken doing this routine over the weekend. We all spoke today about the clear need to protect Palestinian civilians. The United States supports Israel's right to defense against Hamas, a terrorist organization that attacked it brutally and that cares not a whit about the Palestinian people or their future. This is the same right that each of our countries has. But as Israel conduct its campaign, how it does it matters. Israel must take every possible measure to prevent civilian casualties. This sort of language is so stupid because, again, the implication is that if it weren't Tony Blinken pulling the chain, that Israel would be going hog wild, just killing Palestinian civilians willy nilly, which, of course, is untrue. Let me repeat for the thousandth time. Israel has complete air superiority in this region. Complete. There is no air force in the Gaza Strip. There's no air force to speak of in Lebanon. Egypt is not interested in going to war with Israel, which means Israel has willy nilly air power over the Strip. If they wish to kill hundreds of thousands, millions of people, they have the power to do it. They're not doing that. They're getting their own soldiers killed in order to protect Palestinian civilians. And meanwhile, you have the West pretending that it's the opposite. Why? Again, to reestablish that moral equivalence. And just a second, we're going to get to the 2024 race. Joe Biden's polling numbers are terrible. The reason his polling numbers are terrible is not because of this current conflict. It's more because when you set the world on fire, people tend not to like it very much. First, the holidays not only allow us to spend time with family, they're a reminder of how important our responsibility is to protect our families. That includes planning to secure their future. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from top companies and find your lowest price. Their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies. That means you can trust their guidance because they don't actually have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another. There are no added fees. Your personal information is kept private. You know, life insurance is really, really important to me. I got some, my wife got some, but it can be a complicated and intense procedure. It doesn't have to be with Policy Genius. Since life insurance typically gets more expensive as you age, now would be the time to buy. Policy Genius makes the process a lot easier. With Policy Genius, you can find a life insurance policy starting at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid those unnecessary medical exams. Your loved ones deserve that financial safety net, and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Go to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click the link. In the description, get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Again, policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Get the life insurance you need. Policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Also, you may notice that we here at The Daily Wire, we do things a little bit differently. We host several of the top news podcasts in the world. We launched a chocolate company, you know, overnight. We're taking on Disney head on by releasing 100 episodes of kids content. It takes a lot of specific people with very specific skills to make The Daily Wire what it is. How do we find and hire those people? Well, we rely on ZipRecruiter, just like hundreds of thousands of other businesses. ZipRecruiter makes your whole hiring process faster and easier. Their powerful technology works for you to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. ZipRecruiter will save you time by letting you easily invite your top candidates to apply to your job so they are more likely to apply sooner. They're trusted by millions of people. In fact, over 3.8 million businesses trust ZipRecruiter with their hiring needs. You should be one of them. Make a positive impact on your hiring future with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. Go to ZipRecruiter. 
dot com slash daily wire. Try Zip Recruiter for free. Again, that is ziprecruiter.com slash D A I L Y W I R E. Zip Recruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Well, obviously, because Joe Biden is doing a very, very bad job, his poll numbers are in dire trouble. And that is largely due to the fact that, again, if every election, as I've said a thousand times, a referendum on one of the two parties, right now the referendum is on Biden. When the world's on fire, when everybody is looking at the news, what they see is an economy that seems to be stagnating, at least maybe on the precipice. When they look at world politics, they see an ongoing stalemate in Ukraine. They see a conflagration in the Middle East that was largely created by America's Iran policy. They see problems with China and Taiwan. Domestically, they see tremendous dissent. They see serious gaps between how many Americans think about pretty much every issue of life. And then they look at the president and they see a very elderly man who doesn't seem to be able to keep it together. And right now, if you look at the polls, it's reflecting all of this. According to a brand new New York Times poll, which is panicking the hell out of Democrats, the results currently show Joe Biden losing to Donald Trump by margins between four and 10 percentage points among registered voters in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. He's ahead only in Wisconsin by two percentage points. In Nevada, he's down 10. 52 to 41. Actually, he's down 11. In Michigan, he is down five to Trump, 48, 43. In Georgia, he's down six to Trump, 49, 43. In Pennsylvania, he's down four to Trump, 48, 44. In Arizona, he's down 49, 44 to Trump. In Wisconsin, he's up two. What that means is that if the election were held today and these polls were right, Donald Trump would win with in excess of 300 electoral votes. Every sentence of this New Times Siena poll is horrible news for Joe Biden. Voters under 30 favor Biden by only a single percentage point. His lead among Hispanic voters is down to single digits. His advantage in urban areas is half of Trump's edge in rural regions. Women still favor Biden, but men prefer Trump by twice as large a margin. Black voters are now registering 22% support for Trump in these states. That's a level unseen in presidential politics for a Republican in modern times. In a remarkable sign of gradual racial realignment, again, this is the New York Times, between the two parties, the more diverse the swing state, the farther Biden was behind. He led only in the whitest of the six. The world is falling apart under Biden, said Spencer Weiss, a 53-year-old electrical substation specialist in Pennsylvania who supported Biden in 2020 but switched back to Trump. I'd much rather see somebody I feel can be a positive role model leader for the country, but at least I think Trump has his wits about him. Another ominous sign for Democrats is voters across all income levels felt Biden's policies had hurt them personally. Voters gave Trump a 17-point advantage for having helped them and Biden an 18-point disadvantage for having hurt them. 71% of those polled said he was too old to be an effective president. That is an opinion shared across every single demographic and geographic group in the poll, including 54% of people who say they're voting for Biden say he's too old for the job. Only 19% of supporters of Trump view him as too too old. Only 39% of the electorate overall feels the same. 62% of voters say Biden does not have the mental sharpness to be effective. Voters, 59 to 37, said they better trusted Trump over Biden on the economy. That's the largest gap on all issues. That's 22% positive margin for Trump. And by the way, nearly twice as many voters said economic issues would determine their 2024 vote compared with social issues like abortion or guns. Those economic voters favored Trump by 60 to 32. Only 2% of voters say the economy is excellent. Voters prefer Trump over Biden on immigration by 12 points on national security by 12 points, on Israeli-Palestinian conflict by 11 points. By the way, that demonstrates once again that Biden is saddled with a coalition that is at least in part anti-Israel. Trump has no such problems. Trump is the most pro-Israel president in modern times and is 11 points more popular on the issue than Biden is. Though a 58% majority support more economic and military aid to Ukraine, 
That didn't seem to benefit Biden on broader questions of fitness to handle foreign affairs. The gender gap on national security is enormous. Men prefer Trump, 62 to 33. That is a 29% positive margin for Trump. By the way, you know who actually runs the best of any of these candidates right now? Uh, the, the, is generic Republican. Generic Republican runs amazing. Generic Republican is is tremendously ahead of, of, Donald, uh, of, of Joe Biden at this point. Because all people want is just an alternative. Now, what that means is that the math could easily change. The poll also shows that if, for example, Donald Trump are, is, is to be convicted of a crime during 2024, then those polls change pretty dramatically. What it does do, however, for Trump in the primaries is obviously it takes away the largest argument against him by both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, which is his unelectability. If the argument against Trump is that he can't beat Biden or that he's the candidate least likely to be Biden, when there are polls that come out showing that Trump is up on Biden in pretty much all the swing states, obviously that argument gets undercut. And this, by the way, should show Trump something, which is the more you are out of the headlines, the more you are likely to win. If Donald Trump hides in the basement from now until the election, he will be president again. It is pretty much that simple. He needs to run the reverse Biden strategy. Now, is Trump capable of doing that? Maybe, maybe not, but he should. He should stop posting on Truth Social. He should go in the basement. He should let his lawyers do their work at these various trials. And he should be quiet. And he should let everyone focus on the fact that Joe Biden is terrible at the president thing. Really, really bad, especially because there are new revelations about Joe Biden on the corruption front that are going to continue to plague him. Andy McCarthy has a really good piece over at National Review. He says, would the American people have elected Joe Biden if it had been widely understood that Biden was bought and paid for by the Chinese communist regime? The question presses because, as it turns out, the incumbent president actually is what the media Democrat complex falsely claimed the prior president was, a clandestine agent of a hostile foreign power. Scandalous as this story is, it is just as infuriating. Joe Biden's collusion with China is back in the news because the House Oversight Committee has just released its latest report showing the big guy, as you recall from Tony Bobulinski's texts, actually did get at least one 10% payout from the Biden-China scheme, precisely matching his stake in the venture as it was sketched out in a notorious May 2017 email. It is only news because the paper trail is now catching up with the outlines of the story. As Andy McCarthy writes, thanks to the extensive excavation of Biden's financial records by Senators Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson, followed by dogged reporting of the New York Post, the outlines of the story were publicly available before Election Day 2020. But the story has gotten only more damning with additional evidence unearthed by the Oversight Committee. CEFC, a Shanghai-based energy conglomerate, with which Joe Biden and his family joined forces, was China. To describe it as thinly veiled arm of Xi Jinping's monstrous, monstrous regime would exaggerate the camouflage. It was run by Yi Jiangmeng, who the Bidens deemed a protege of Xi. How could it be otherwise? CEFC's position as a privileged private company was established by the regime in 2006. All of this was knowable three years ago, prior to the election. Not only that, it was pretty obvious that Biden was being bought and paid for by CEFC. If CEFC could brandish cordial relations and a business partnership with the Biden family, other targets of China's blandishments would be more willing to transact. It was a fact, says Andy McCarthy, that Biden CEFC scheme was not an abstract plan. It was a dirty done deal in which the regime backed company lavished the Bidens with mountains of money. This scandal was right there to see in October of 2020. Americans didn't see it and Americans didn't believe it because the Biden 2020 campaign and congressional Democrats and the media tried to portray all of this as Russian disinformation. But that wasn't true. So it turns out the Biden's dealings with CEFC were already underway in 2015, which is when Joe Biden was still vice president. Apparently, Jim and Hunter Biden didn't take CEFC money during the Obama years because the op optics would have been terrible. But they were miffed that CEFC was already using the Biden connection to further its objectives. They believed CEFC owed them and they expected to be paid. 
And that was already in the works. And as it turns out, Joe Biden did get the money. On May 13th, 2017, James Gillier sent Hunter a now famous email that sketched out the structure and splits in the CEFC scheme, including 10% for the big guy. The Biden side believed the deal had momentum. Hunter Biden's discussions with Yee indicated that, at least for starters, there would be a quick $10 million infusion of capital. Interesting then that when Joe Biden bought his Rehoboth Beach mansion less than a month later, he paid $2.74 million in cash rather than taking a mortgage. There's a problem, though. The CEFC funds it didn't actually materialize. And desperation set in. And that's when Hunter reached out to CEFC and said, I'm sitting here with my dad. In any event, Hunter admonished the heads of CEFC. I'm concerned that you have either changed your mind and broken our deal without telling me or that they are unaware of the promises and assurance that have been made. He said, don't mistake kindness for weakness. The following day, he was assured that CEFC would be willing to cooperate with the family. And again, the money did, in fact, change hands. So, again, things are going to get worse for Joe Biden before the election if, if Donald Trump stays out of the headlines. And that's always the big question. That's always the big but. Will Donald Trump stay out of the headlines? Right now, again, the headlines are, are obviously taken up by the war in the Middle East. It is quite possible they'll shift back to Donald Trump's legal issues as the year goes on. That's what Democrats are betting on. If Donald... Here's the thing. Even if those things move forward, if Donald Trump just stays away from them, if he doesn't say anything, he can easily be president again. Or theoretically, Republicans could go more toward, you know, generic Republican, which would be more toward DeSantis or Nikki Haley. Helping along that effort is Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. She apparently is going to endorse DeSantis at a rally in Des Moines on Sunday. That is very early. Right now, obviously, DeSantis is in second place. The latest polls show him tied with Nikki Haley at 16%. Reynolds backing... DeSantis in Iowa is going to carry an awful lot of weight. It's going to sink Haley back into third place, you would imagine. As I've said before, the big problem with, with Haley is that if DeSantis drops out, a lot of his support's going to go back to Trump. A lot of that stuff is not going to go over to Haley, which will basically confirm Trump's lead. If Haley were to drop out, presumably a lot of that support would go to DeSantis. In any case, Trump is way ahead at this point. All righty, coming up, we'll be jumping into the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. 